You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Chasen. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio is Mr. Scott Chasen. One of the more fascinating K-State KU games on Saturday. Scott, I can't wait to talk about it. Well, I can, <laughs> but anyhow, it was, it was a remarkable game. Yeah, Fitz, if you turn that game on at any point in the game, you could feel dramatically different about either team. Uh, I'll tell you what I saw. I saw two really high-level basketball teams that both had times where they played really well and both had some times where they didn't. Yep, it was, it was fascinating. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash thedriveshow, on Twitter at thedrive13, and of course answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, do not fret. You can listen to an audio-only only version of the podcast of the show in podcast form every Monday morning at gopowercat.com. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Scott, KU basketball battled to an emotional victory over K-State on Saturday. What did the win mean to the Jayhawks, and what did it mean to Coach Bill Self? Well, Fitz, I think this game meant a lot to Coach Bill Self. I think most people know at this point uh, Bill Self's father passed away uh, earlier in the week, and I actually had the chance to exchange a a couple of text messages with him, and he said the family was really sad but really proud. I I think that was the first indication he was going to try and coach in this game. He even said after the game it's what his dad would have wanted. His dad gave him a hard time when he missed some practices leading up to the Oklahoma game. He said he didn't have his team ready. So I I think Bill Self coaching this game was – Uh, kind of his way of of paying homage to his father. And, you know, for KU as a whole, I think you could tell how much the game meant to the Jayhawks. Look, K-State was really, really good in the first half. We're both going to talk about that. We're both going to talk about how Kansas dug itself a massive hole. But coming out of the break, KU was as locked in and as focused as I've seen Kansas play this year. Fitz, it took until the 13:43 mark in the second half, so that's more than six minutes for Kansas to have an offensive possession that was not a made basket or that didn't draw a foul. This is a Kansas team that has struggled with execution, that has gone through awful dry spells. Against Oklahoma State, they had an 0 of 19 or 0 of 20 shooting stretch. Against Oklahoma, they had a huge dry spell with no points. For Kansas to play essentially six minutes of perfect offensive basketball, that tells you they came out of halftime with a focus. That tells you they were very engaged in this game. They cared a lot about this game. And I think that was in part because of K-State. I think Kansas really wanted to beat K-State. And I think that was in part because of Bill Self, who was emotional in the press conference after the game. And he was emotional with his team, just telling him how much the game meant to him. He could barely get the words out in the locker room before uh, the huddle came in. You know, there's a quote that Bill Self mentioned from his father. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, He said it when he was inducted, Bill Self, into the Naismith Hall of Fame. He said, don't worry about the mules, just load the wagon. It's a quote his father would say to him. It means, you know, don't worry about other people. Worry about yourself. Do your job. Everything will take care of itself. I think that very much describes Bill Self. It also kind of describes KU in this game. 
KU got into a hole. K-State played great. KU couldn't worry about what K-State was doing. KU had to do what KU was doing, and eventually that was enough for the Jayhawks. They just barely got over the hump, but they got over the hump, didn't they? They led for 68 <laughs> seconds on Saturday. KU led the game for a total of 68 seconds, but at the end of the game is all that counts. Yeah, just that final one, right. <laughs> well, hey, now let's turn the tables. K-State led 50-34 to 34 at halftime, squandering a huge lead make this loss even more painful yeah. for the Wildcats. It does, because that was as efficient offensively as I've seen a Bruce Weber team be in a long time. And it was really impressive what Kansas State was able to do during the course of the game, uh, in the course of the first half, particularly Nigel Pack shooting the ball from outside. He was absolutely in the zone. He was hitting shots that were open. He was shooting, hitting shots that were just completely covered. I don't know how he was getting uh, some of those points. And, of course, Marquise Noel, the other guard, was absolutely fabulous in the first half, dishing the ball out. He had five assists um, with the first half still going, but he only ended up with six. You play 40 minutes. This has been an ongoing problem with K-State. They take breaks quite often at the start of a game, and we've seen it over and over against KU, where they take a break at the start of the game, don't score, get in a hole, and can't recover. This game went the other way. K-State was incredibly efficient on offense, and honestly, KU's defense was pitiful in the first half. Mm -hmm. And K-State took advantage of it, something the Wildcats don't always do because they're not a very even shooting team. They're very hot and cold. Well, they were hot. And they weren't necessarily cold in the second half, but they weren't very efficient, and they didn't adjust to what KU adjusted with on their defensive end of the floor. A lot of box in one or triangle in two. Bill Self pulled out all the stops and got it done. But let's talk about the mules and the wagon. In this case, the mules would be the officials, and you can't control what the officials do particularly. For example, KU, I am told, I need to go back and look at the stats, honestly, did not have a foul called in the final 10 minutes of the game. And K-State was called for twice as many fouls in the second half. That's just something that happens in the course of a game, and anyone in the Big 12 will tell you that will happen quite often. Uh, against KU and you can come up for with whatever reasons you want and it could be good defense by KU and they're not fouling and you are whatever it is you can't control that what you can control is rebounding K-State was absolutely pitiful for everything they did right on the offensive end and sometimes on the defensive end the rebounding by the Wildcats was atrocious KU had twice as many rebounds as K-State that's almost impossible that's that's hard to do and they had a scoring advantage on second chance points, 19 to eight. When you lose by three, rebounding, not the officials or anything else, cost you the game. And that's, what, that's how KU did it. They just were so good on the offensive boards. Yeah, Fitz, I, I thought there were a few areas that you hit on that, that I think really did kind of describe how this game ended. Rebounding was the area Bill Self pointed out. I also thought, and when KU kind of mixed up the defenses, it sort of took K-State out of what it wanted to do. There was a stretch down the stretch in that final 10 minutes that you talked about. Eight shots for Kansas State, seven of them were threes. They kind of just stopped yeah. attacking, and you were wondering what was going on there. And they weren't necessarily threes from the right people. They had back-to-back -back <laughs> possessions, and with Selton Miguel launched up threes, and in hindsight, that might have been the game right there, not to lay it at one guy's feet, but those were squandered possessions with bad shots. Mm -hmm. Well, Scott, we've each had a chance to watch some Big 12 ball for the last few weeks. How many NCAA tournament teams are you expecting for the league this year? 
Fitz, if Oklahoma State was tournament eligible, I would be trying to get 10-bid league started as a hashtag or something. Amazing. This, this league is so good. I, I wrote down the defensive rankings for the Big 12 teams just nationally because it, it's absurd to hear it out one at a time. And this is, this is every team in the league. Okay, so we got 4, 6, 7, 11, 16, 17, 22, 27, 29. That's nine of the 10 teams in the Big 12 rank in the top 30 nationally. You know who doesn't? Kansas, who ranks number three offensively and with the top 50 defense. This league is so good and we've talked about it top to bottom. What TCU, what Oklahoma, what Iowa State, what Texas have done, it impresses me constantly. The Big 12 has this issue though, which is these teams are going to beat up on each other and kind of prevent each other. Uh, possibly from getting a one seed up at the top with Kansas and Baylor and probably hurting seed lines across the conference. You know, Fitz, I think back to the year, I think it was Buddy Heald's senior year, so 2016, where OU and KU both got high seeds. Uh, you know, that was one of the few times where the Big 12 maybe got the proper respect it deserved with, with some of its best teams. But I also think about the year with Trey Young, where Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were kind of battling for the last spot in the tournament. I could anticipate something like that happening, where the Big 12 maybe only gets seven teams in, where they deserve an eight. KU, Baylor, Texas Tech, those are locks. I think Iowa State, Texas should be locks. I think there's quality. I think you could make an argument that K-State should be in. You'll get a chance to talk about that. I think Oklahoma for sure should be in, although their resume maybe doesn't look as good as the team they are. To me, this league has to get seven or eight teams in because, quite frankly, if you're an opponent of a Big 12 team, you don't want to see a Big 12 team in the NCAA tournament because they can play defense, they can mess with your tempo, and they can mess with your game plan. This is a really good league. I, I hope they get the chance to get a bunch of teams in. I, I'm telling you what, this is unbelievable how good the league is because K-State's better, and I'll talk about them in a later segment in their NCAA tournament chances. But this conference is facing a huge opportunity this weekend with the SEC Challenge. Mm -hmm. If this conference is really as good as we think it is, they need to really do some damage against the SEC because if they come out of that 6-4 and four or 5-5, five and five, that won't speak very highly of your conference. But if they win eight or nine games in this Challenge Series, they'll send a pretty clear message that the 10 teams of this conference will stack up against the, the top of any other conference, and it's really impressive to watch. Absolutely. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, predict the record of the Big 12's conference champion, I think. Most people got this one probably close to being right. 56% of people say 14 and 4. Might be a little tougher than that. Next, 26% of people say 13 and 5. 9% apiece, 12 and 6 or worse, or 15 and 3 or better. Fitz, I'd be shocked if it were 15 and 3 or better. Yeah, I would too. And what's important about that, you almost want 13 and 5 to get more wins at the bottom if you're cheering for conference teams mm -hmm. to get in the tournament. Good Here's point. this week's question. Will Kansas State make the NCAA tournament this year? We split the yeses in half. Yes, they'll be in a play-in game. they got to prove their way into the bracket of 64. B, yes, safely, they're in the bracket of 64 on selection day. And C, no. That's pretty definitive right there. <laughs> Vote on our Twitter page, at the Drive 13 Fitz, I know I'm the Kansas guy. K-State is good enough to be in the tournament. We're going to keep talking about it, but... Uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it, and that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, and we will be right back with more on KU and K-State and that topic on The Drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Scott, let's dive deeper into the KUK State game. Kansas got down big before coming back in the second half. Did you see more good or bad for the Jayhawks in this one? Well, Fitz, we spent a lot of the first segment talking about what Kansas did well. So now let me bring the be the bearer of bad news and talk about what Kansas did not do so well because as good as I think K-State is, as impressive as it is to win on the road, there was a lot of bad in this one, and it came from different places. You know, Fitz, when I look at Kansas defensively and how Nigel Pack went off, and by the way, this takes nothing away from Nigel Pack, who was fabulous. Even if you're left wide open from three to make six or seven or eight of them, that takes very serious talent, and he has very serious talent, especially scoring the ball. But I caught instances, five of them in fact, where Remy Martin fell asleep guarding him. It resulted in 14 points. One time it was bad help. He's standing in the paint, packs out on the three-point line, easy three-point shot. One time Remy Martin goes under a ball screen. Pack gets a wide open three, he hits it. Another time Remy Martin gets caught up on a screen, recovers in the corner, but Pack is still there. Pack has the ball, he has the hot hand, he hits it. Remy Martin allowed Pack to drive right by him off the ball, compounded it with a foul for a three-point play. Remy Martin fouled him away from the play. And if it feels like I'm picking on Remy, I promise I'm not. I think Remy is a good player. I think he's important for Kansas. But with all this talk about does Bill Self like Remy Martin or are they getting along or what, you know, what's going on? There's a reason when guys don't play and it, it usually has something to do with the defensive end. Now, Remy did play a lot in this one. KU really only played six guys and he was not the only issue for Kansas defensively. As good as David McCormick was on the glass, he had issues defending on the interior where quite simply he just didn't have his hands up to contest a shot. Jalen Wilson was a target of the K-State offense late. They went at him and at him and at him over and over and actually had some success, even if the shots weren't falling. They did get at least a few decent looks. Christian Brown threw the ball away a couple times to give K-State transition opportunities. Look, Kansas had to do a lot good, and Kansas did do a lot good, especially offensively, especially scoring the ball. Kansas is a very good basketball team. Take nothing away from that, just like you take nothing away from Kansas State. But Kansas got into this hole for a reason. Kansas State did not, you know, didn't play the best offensive game in the history of basketball. Kansas State played a very good offensive game, but Kansas helped out a lot. I think if I'm Bill Self, I'm going over the defensive film. I'm probably not even showing any offensive clips and just saying, look at what went wrong in this game because a whole lot of things had to go wrong for KU to get down like it did. And Kansas had to get a little lucky, Fitz, to finish this one off. Well, Bill Self just proved his coaching prowess again. I mean, there's no doubt about how great of a coach he is. But he gave his team every little advantage. Mm -hmm. Every possession counted more in the second half to KU. They won possessions. And when you're down that much at half, you just got to pick away at it, pick away at it. And they didn't get there. If this game, second half, been 19 minutes, they would have been in trouble. But Mm -hmm. they they got there at the end. It was really impressive. Athleticism, offensive rebounding, too. Just played such a big difference. Well, Fitz, K-State is now 2-5 and in the Big 12, which is Crazy. Set the stage for the Wildcats in uh, heading into the next few weeks. Can the Cats claw into contention for the NCAA tournament? 
Well, you don't get credit for losing close, mm -hmm. but K-State has lost close quite a bit. And now the schedule's going to open up for K-State a little bit more here. They're going to get some more friendly games. This has been a brutal opening stretch for the Wildcats. In fact, their midweek game this week is just at Baylor. So going to Ole Miss on the weekend will usher in a period where K-State can and must thrive. Because if you look at the schedule, if you're talking about eight, nine teams getting in from this conference, that means maybe someone at seven and 11 could sneak in if you've got that conference record. But it won't be K-State because of the losses in the non-conference schedule. They absolutely have to beat Ole Miss, but they have those three losses. And it's gonna be hard for them to be much over 500 at 7-11. They're going to have to probably, with their non-conference record, get up to 8-10 just to be on the edge of the conversation and maybe 9-9. Nine nine. I don't see them doing that. I just I can't, I can't see them winning that many games. I mean, that would be just a historic finish of losing only four games here in the final, what, 12? Or whatever it is. I, I just don't see it. Uh, I guess it'd be 11 games. 7-4 down the stretch in the conference. 8-4 by beating Ole Miss. Boy, that's going to be tough to to match up with, unless K-State can make a run in Kansas City. And Scott, here's the thing, is this is a greatly improved K-State team over the last two. But it's not improved enough to be competitive in the Big 12. And I've said this at Go Powercat all the time. It doesn't matter if you're really a better team or a good team. You're measured against those in your neighborhood. And this neighborhood's the Big 12. So if you're finishing eight, nine, and 10 in this conference three years in a row, that means you're one of the worst teams in your, around your peer institutions. And you just can't tolerate that at Kansas State, even if you are getting better, because better is okay, mm -hmm. but good enough is what's needed, and good enough is getting in the tournament, and I don't think they're gonna make it. Well, Fitz, I think the best hope Kansas State has is that the committee gives them a very serious look and takes into account the context of what you've been talking about for weeks now, missing guys, missing coaches, right. you know, situations like that. I think that's the best hope because, like I've said, I, look, I, I watch Kansas State. That's a team that's good enough to be in the field, but I think you bring up some great points about whether or not they will be because of kind of the circumstances around them. Yeah, if the committee's really going to take COVID in, in absences into – the equation here, K-State might have a chance because those first four games that they all lost in the conference were all games that they played shorthanded, not just the players, but sometimes coaches. <laughs> now we step out of bounds, and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz, let's step way out of bounds, all the way up to the rafters. I noticed a sign at the K-State game to put Jacob Pullen's jersey in the rafters. Any thoughts on who the next retired K-State jersey should be? Uh, this is a... A really interesting topic and just to be clear Scott came up with this topic and I'm yeah. like this is really timely <laughs> they did honor the trailblazers before the game the guys that that broke uh, the color barrier in the big whatever it was for both K-State and KU would have to say here that's that's great we've got a user on our website his name's Knet on our site has been hammering away at this stuff including getting more guys in the rafters and he's been spot on all the way around with everything he said Kansas State has a problem. They haven't paid attention to their own history. And if you're familiar with K-State basketball history, there are four Final Fours in there. And what if I told you they have two former All-Americans that played in Final Fours who aren't in the rafters? 
I don't even know how that happens. It's neglect. Howie Shannon and Rick Harmon absolutely belong in the rafters. And then you move into another generation, maybe the more Ahern generation that led into Bramlage. Ed Neely, a Kansas guy that probably belongs in the rafter, a fan favorite that was just a rebounding fool. And how about Steve Henson? He probably belongs up there, too. He was such a hallmark player for K-State. And then you get to Jacob Poland and Michael Beasley. Does Mike go up there after one season at K-State? I say yes. But out of all this, there's no doubt Jacob belongs up there. He is the all-time leading scorer now in school history. It's just amazing. And uh, he said he's ready to do it, but he wants Frank Martin available to put him up there to be there. And so that gets into Frank's availability. We'll mm-hmm. see. Now let's hear from the fans, and our fan question is sponsored by Metal Arc, supporting people in living their best lives. Our fan question this week, Scott, do you think Kansas's starting five will change this year? That's from Ryan in Overland Park. Fitz, earlier when Remy Martin was missing time, maybe. I thought Kansas probably needed Remy Martin to be at its ceiling, and, and look, I still think Kansas needs a healthy and kind of understanding of everything Remy Martin to be as good as it can be because Remy Martin is a very good player. That being said, I don't know that you mix it up right now. Jalen Wilson is playing well. David McCormick is starting to rebound, which is important. You're not moving Ochai. You're not moving Christian Brown. I don't think Bill Self is touching Dewan Harris's spot. I think Bill Self likes what he brings. So probably no change to the starting five, which is crazy to think about Remy Martin. What was he, like preseason Big 12 player of the mm-hmm. year? He's going to be coming off the bench. Uh, that's what that's I see cool. happening. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back. As we head down the home stretch of this week's show, it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive13. Here are last week's results. Mm-hmm. Everyone did well. <laughs> Oh, the fans turned it on. I got the KU game right because I picked the spread. I love it. But we both went two and one. Here's this week's picks. We start with Kansas minus three and a half versus Kentucky. Scott. Kentucky looked good against Auburn. Probably wins if they don't have injury issues. But Fitz, I will take Kansas. We'll see. This one makes me nervous. I'm taking the Wildcats. No surprise there. <laughs> Next, K-State, other Wildcats, minus three and a half at Ole Miss. Fitz. I'm, I'm taking the Wildcats. <laughs> Fitz going, Wildcats, I will also take the Wildcats on this one. Our last game is Baylor, minus five and a half at Alabama. I'm not taking the Wildcats. I'm taking the Bears. <laughs> uh, Fitz, I took Alabama in the national championship game. They let me down. Let's give them a chance for redemption. Nate Oates no. and company, I'll take Alabama. No. Make your predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 it's time for On the Clock. We're running short. It's sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a Strong Local Community. Scott, take it away. Well, real quick, I just wanted to highlight the play of Dewan Harris. I think at times I've been critical of Dewan Harris, not because he's a bad player, but because he is a limited player. And also, he's KU's defensive stopper in a team that really doesn't have one, certainly doesn't have one to the level of Marcus Garrett a year ago. Look, Marcus Garrett was special defensively. Marcus Garrett was a national defensive player of the year as a wing, which is very, very hard to do. I think we could all stand to, and this includes myself, maybe let DeWan step out of that shadow a little bit, judge him on his own scale rather than the Marcus Garrett scale. He played impressively defensively in the second half of that one. 
Well, we taped early today because of the Chiefs, but it also meant we didn't get the final result of the K-State women's game. Uh, this is interesting. There's six minutes left against Oklahoma. Aoka Lee, as we record this, has 53 points, <laughs> a Big 12 record, and 11 rebounds. K-State women are pretty good. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.